welcome to episode five of the Mac Gamecast, a podcast where we talk all about Mac gaming and related tech, culture, history, etc. things. I'm John Carr. With me here is Casper. How are you doing, Casper? Howdy. Back again. <laughs> Fantastic. Sam's back from vacation. How are you doing, buddy? Hello. Doing very well. Fantastic. And the star of the show today is Andy, all the way, I believe, from the UK, right? How are you doing, Andy? That's right. Um, I'm doing very well. Thank you. Fantastic. Yes. Thank you for coming on the show. So a uh, brief overview. Um, today, we're just going to be talking about, um, starting off anyway, talking about with some various things about the M1 Apple Silicon, which Andy specializes in tinkering with. And he also runs uh, some gaming wikis. We're going to talk about that and see where the discussion goes. So Andy, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, what your passions or specialties are. Oh, okay, great. So um, my name's Andrew Tsai, and I'm also known as Andy Tizer. Uh, I run several things. So the, I think the thing I'm most famous for is actually a website called PC Gaming Wiki, which is a kind of technical support uh, website where people contribute their own fixes to various PC games. Uh, but in the last uh, year or so, I've been much more interested in kind of the, the M1 gaming on Mac computers. And so I've started a a YouTube channel, which is all about tinkering and running games to their best ability and all. And I've also started a, a new wiki, a sister wiki to PC Gaming Wiki called Apple Gaming Wiki. And this is all about the compatibility and various, and guides to running games uh, as well as possible, uh, especially for the M1 Apple Silicon Max. Very so, cool. Uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my gaming career so far. Nice. So uh, PC Gaming Wiki makes sense. That stuff's always useful and there's always weird <laughs> problems going on with PC games <laughs> that need fixing, <laughs> in my experience, from boot camping. Uh, so how did you get from the PC gaming space, which is tends to be more like if you're on that side, you're kind of on that side. So how did you get from there to doing like Apple Silicon stuff? So um, in my kind of professional life, I've worked a lot with Mac computers. So um, I guess I've, I've been doing a lot of um, freelance repair work and uh, IT support. So what I found is that in my in my kind of um, professional life for the last like seven or eight years, I've been working almost exclusively with uh, Apple Mac users, right? So that's the the kind of niche that I fell into. So uh, basically, helping people uh, sort out their data uh, and uh, use Mac computers, Apple computers, and uh, what I found is that the the, the resources for um, Mac gaming is, is in a such in in a much worse state than PC gaming ever was. So when I when I created PC Gaming Wiki in 2012, um, it was very difficult to find things like you know save game locations and mm. compatibility and you know little fixes. You'd have to hunt around forums for for hours um, trying to find the fix and the information that you needed. And uh, what I found is that when it comes to the Apple side, I mean, there are lots of very capable Apple computers, which um, People don't really know whether a game is going to function on it. The user base is much smaller. And uh, what I found is that when the, when the M1 Apple Silicon Macs came out, we finally had a base-level Mac, which didn't have like the Intel integrated graphics. We had something that was actually quite powerful, something that could rival you know, the, uh, the discrete graphics of the previous MacBook generations. And, uh, but we didn't have a, an actual resource to actually find out what games would actually work and uh, nothing that would work, um, 
nothing that could be user updatable. So what I decided to do was to start creating videos, tutorials, and then I created a website as well. And it's all in the a the idea is to help people as much as possible find the information they need as quickly and as easily and take advantage of the relatively fast hardware that we've got now. So if you have an admon Apple Silicon Mac, you've got something that can play games relatively quickly, relatively well, and much better than you know the previous generations of Macs. Cool. Yeah. Uh I you know, we've had a little talk about the M1 on and off on the show, mostly episode one, but um it still remains fascinating to me, um, browsing forums or Mac gaming subreddit. People keep posting stuff like, oh, this is running on my M1, and that's running on my M1. Usually it's a non-native game, like someone had a post, mm-hmm. I think, about Titanfall 2 recently. Mm-hmm. Um, someone's always trying to run GTA 5 or whatever as well. <laughs> on, I don't know if they've succeeded yet. Um, but in terms of both native or non-native performance, uh, the, the bottom line is the machines do way more than I ever expected them to do, basically for their price point. So the hardware is very cool. From your perspective, seeing as you tinker with this and you've been helping people with it, with your wiki and your videos, um, do you find yourself continue to be surprised or do you feel you have a good handle on what the machines can do? Yeah, definitely. I think that, um, I mean, when the when the M1s first came out, um, there were the, you know, the Rosetta 2, which is the kind of uh, translation layer, which translates the x86 64-bit calls to the to the ARM silicon. Um you know, works tremendously well. Like uh, almost everything just, you know, just works uh, out of the box. You double click on something and 90% of the time it will work. But there's a lot of games which just didn't function without some kind of patching at the beginning. So it was quite interesting seeing that um, people were having issues with games running on that on that M1 Apple Silicon even, even then. And that's just, you know, uh, standard Intel macOS uh, gaming. And then we have like non-native gaming as well, and uh, there's there's so many possibilities because uh, you know games like like you were saying like GTA Five. I don't know why people keep constantly wanting to play GTA Five on their MacBooks. Right, it seems to be like an ongoing obsession. It's probably one of my it's one of the things that people keep asking me like virtually every day. It's like <laughs> how do I get GTA working on my Mac? But um, you know people people also expect kind of Macs to behave a little bit like PCs as well. They expect like um, because of like you know the boot camp of the past, you know we had the option of natively booting Windows, and so you had the the ability to play GTA Five quite well on right. a, on a Mac, right? But uh, yeah, people are kind of obsessed with this um, this idea of playing you know very popular games on their M1, and you know people have heard that the M1s are are relatively powerful now and that they are capable of gaming, but the reality is that. Uh, most games, most of the most popular games don't actually aren't actually compatible with the M1. And so they're kind of a bit disappointed by that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, it's funny you mentioned an obsession with GTA 5 uh, in um, the Apple Gaming Discord, which is created by Mr. Mac, right? Same thing. There's like five people a day in there like, how do I run GTA 5 or is it available on Mac? And <laughs> everyone's like, no, 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 you know. <laughs> it is yeah. interesting. Um, but it's understandable as all being gamers wanting to play either popular games or exciting games or just a game you want to play, whether it's a very popular one or not. Um, yeah, no, I, I appreciate someone 
um, well, I appreciate anyone who does anything for Mac gaming, but specifically on the side of uh, information, basically. Yeah, like what can my computer run? What can my M run or my Apple Silicon run? Um, so like wikis and tutorial video- videos, I think that's very important because, and I've mentioned this possibly every podcast without intentionally planning to, the um, the knowledge level of the average Mac gamer is very low, unfortunately. So I mean, I have some people I see in the support channel of this Discord being like, I just bought a new Mac and I want to do this thing and it doesn't do this thing. It's like, maybe you should have checked before you bought the Mac whether (laughs) it could do the thing. You know what I mean? Like, it was very important. Like, I absolutely need this program or this game. It's like, maybe you should do something else. (laughs) I find find it very interesting, like the the disparate levels of technical ability, like you said. Because, um, you know, I would say that the the average technical ability of a, of the Mac gamer is relatively low. However, there there is um, there's there's something about the Mac operating system which gives so much access to uh, tweaks that is on a such greater level than than on a PC. Right? Hmm, that um, that uh, there are there are it's such an open ended kind of question. Really, can a game run on it? Can you run Titanfall 2 through Wine on a Mac, right? That was a question that um, I thought was impossible uh, you know, a few months ago. But it uh, turns out that with enough tweaking, you know, if, you put enough, if you pour enough time into this, you can, you can get virtually any game to run on a Mac. It's just a question of um, putting together like, some high-level um, fixes and uh, some, some kind of very interesting tweaks and uh, some engineers on it, really. And uh, and it can actually happen. I mean, virtually every game can be played on a Mac. It's just, can you find someone to uh, dedicate enough time and resource to making it work? Um, right. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quite interesting seeing, seeing these new games pop up, which suddenly start working because somebody's discovered a new fix for it. And it, and it happens very frequently. I, th- I thought... I thought that the the number of games playable on the M1 was quite small, but it turns mm. out it's getting bigger and bigger every day, right? So when Parallel 17 came out a few days ago, when Crossover 21 was released a few days ago, this opened up like a brand new kind of um, brand new set of games which are suddenly compatible. So that that library is just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, That's it is. It. Uh, yeah, um, if Sam or Casper have any questions, feel free to chime in um, or comments. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not yeah. convinced though that the the level of technical skill for a Mac gamer is necessarily lower than the technical skill of a Linux or PC gamer. It's just that because of the native support for gaming being somewhat less on macOS than it is on um, Windows, for example, or well, Linux might be a different case, but Linux uh, also has more uh, semi-official support from Proton, uh, Steam's, uh, or rather Valve's uh, mm-hmm. simulation. Well, what would it be? Word theory? It's not quite it's, emulation. It's, it's wine, I believe. Yeah, it is really wine under the hood anyway. But yeah. Um, so wine is not an emulator, emulation, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but But I think that because you don't have that sort of semi-official support slash fully official support um that when people want to play a game on windows they'll just be like able to click play if it's on an easy platform like good old games steam whatever uh, and if they can't do that on the mac 
the people who don't necessarily have the skill set to understand that it's not compatible with the operating system will then make forum posts or, well, perhaps not forum posts, but comment on a Discord or something where that doesn't necessarily happen on the Windows platform, not because the technical skill set is higher on average, but just because there is that official support. So you don't get to that eventuality in the first place. That's actually really clever. I, it's true. I have been making that comment or statement from my point of view without considering what you just said. So, like, imagine if PC gamers were in the same situation. Uh, it could very well end up with the same result or very similar mm-hmm. result kind of a thing. Uh, what do you think, uh, I, had a, I had a question for Andy. Excuse me. Um, with Valve's Proton and Wine and stuff like that, um, and Valve, I would assume, making very large strides. Like I know Proton works really well near native and or even beyond native performance in many, many games. Has that translated at all? to crossover or wine on the Mac? Like I know Proton doesn't run on the Mac, but has Valve's strides made any progress on the Mac side with wine or crossover? So as far as I'm aware, Proton was originally designed for uh, Mac and Linux operating systems, and then it was quite early on dropped from the Mac operating system. And so there's no official uh, kind of support for from Valve for Mac gaming anymore. Um, none of the Valve games are compatible with the 64-bit operating systems, Catalina or later, um, and uh, which is you know very disappointing because they had such a good cooperation just a few years ago. And um, the only relation that I can really see is that uh, Code Weavers, the creators of Crossover, are kind of contracted to work on um, Proton, right? So there is a a link there, and. Obviously, Code Weavers also create Crossover, which is the compatibility layer which makes many Windows games work on a Mac. And um, and so you can see that if the same organization, same business, is uh, working on Proton, and then they're you know they're bringing maybe some of that funding and their engineering man hours is being spent poured into Wine, the open source project, and then maybe that will help with some of the Mac compatibility too. But uh, to be honest, I, I see it as a very tenuous link. I've seen um, some pundits say that, you know, um, Mac OS is going to be saved by Valve because, <laughs> you know, Valve, has prom- Valve, you know, in their Steam Deck um, announcement promised that they would fix the uh, easy anti-cheat issues with the most popular games like PUBG and Apex Legends. You know, the, the, the thing which stops them from running on a Mac is the uh, the fact that it runs this uh, anti-cheat which detects whether it's running through Proton or a Wine or a virtual machine. And uh, they've, they've made that promise, and it'll be up to contractors like Codeweavers to fix that problem. Whether that is actually going to be transferred over to the Mac operating system, I'm very skeptical about. I don't actually think it will happen. Mm. Um, I, firstly, I don't think Valve will be able to achieve that goal of um, convincing the the uh, popular multiplayer shooter um, games to make their anti-cheat compatible with Proton in the first place. I don't think that's going to happen, even though Valve have promised it. And then secondly, I don't even if they do achieve it, I don't think they're going to bother spending the time or um, porting those fixes to the Mac operating system because Valve don't have real uh, any kind of interest in... Um, fixing things for for the Mac operating system, in my opinion. So yeah, my know. my assumption is that Valve's probably just going to pay essentially to license, like like easy anti cheat or whatever. Valve will just be like, hey, can you whitelist the Steam Deck? 
here's a million dollars. I think a few more million dollars. <laughs> because yeah, if just you... the Steam Deck, not Linux overall, just Steam Deck. Is <laughs> yeah, but if you if you because because Steam Deck is um in an x86 machine running Linux, if you whitelist you know Steam Deck, some Linux programmer will figure out how to port that to other to some kind of cheating hardware or software, sure. and then you know. I'm I'm just so skeptical about the 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 ability because um, there's so many business interests. You know, if somebody a multiplayer game is lives and dies by um, how many cheaters there are in the you know cheaters mm-hmm. ruin everything, right? And if you open up um, your you know secret uh, anti cheat software to these you know very big markets, right? But the Steam Deck is going to be a, a tiny drop in the ocean compared to you know, the general Windows PC market. And uh, it just seems like it will be introducing vulnerabilities. So I, re- I remain skeptical about it. Yeah, I've, um, in addition to what you said, as far as I understand, the anti-cheat isn't even controlled by the developers. It's inter- it's the publishers who determine if it's in the game mm-hmm. or not, or what kind it is, or how much DRM it has, or whatever. At least that's what I that's what I've heard or read in the industry. Um, so even if certain developers wanted to do it, I believe it has to be approved by a publisher. And if it, they somehow feel it threatens the financial side of it or whatever, it's like hard no. You know, you've mentioned yeah. so many interests at work, and yeah, that's. I, I, you know, I remain optimistic, but also skeptical, much like you, <laughs> <laughs> for a variety of reasons. Um, the. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Mac gaming, it's it's in, in such a weird place right now. And, and, and when we've talked about that on the show before, I think it's also in a very interesting place for a variety of reasons. Um, but whether the real future, like, if we want to talk about the future of Mac gaming for a little bit, or the possibility <laughs> of whatever that future, the theoretical future of Mac gaming, um, I feel probably doesn't lie in like majority native games. I think it's going to be a much more shared space of native games and non-native games, either the crossover parallels or streaming services and whatever. Um, unless, I mean, we talked about on the show before, Apple could surprise us. Maybe they've made a few comments. Doesn't mean much. We haven't seen, you know, but the hardware is amazing. The theoretical M1X or M2 or whatever later this year or next year could continue to really impress us and surprise us. Um, Maybe will Apple, will they actually do any, you know, I mean, they are, as far as I recall, they're the richest company in the world or they have the most cash or something. It's like you see all these other studios like Microsoft and others, they're always buying up game studios all the time. You know, mm-hmm. Microsoft bought Bungie famously way back in the day, for example. But it's just in the PC news all the time. This studio, you know, this this umbrella company or whatever bought you know, ZeniMax bought Bethesda and ID and all these things. And I don't know what the Saber group just bought Aspire Media and on and on it goes. It's like surely Apple with its literally the, most, the richest company in the world could, you know, buy a game company or something, do some Mac stuff like they could. But of course, it's just not their thing. Yeah. What do you think, Sam? Well, one thing I'm thinking, at least they have Apple Arcade and there's a few good games on there, but I mean, at least they have it from uh it's on it's on Apple's radar. Their gaming is something that they talk about, even though I know it's phone games and they're kind of shovelware for the most part. Um, 
those run natively and if they they have dumped money on on publishers and be like hey co- make this game it's gonna be exclusive for apple arcade that's true um mm-hmm. and here's x amount number of dollars so maybe they'll start to do that more or maybe if apple arcade grows you'll start to have publishers approaching them and be like hey we would like to bring this game to apple arcade and if m1 max plus ipads plus iphones is like that's, that's a massive market that's like hundreds of millions of devices that's um, true maybe that will become attractive enough for like quote real games down the road um that's it's a long shot but it's that's that's my one like sort of silver lining that i'm i'm hoping for yeah, in like five I, ten yeah. years not like next month or anything i can but. yeah i can see that it's about it's like pulling it into the general orbit the bigger orbit of not the, the mac specific ecosystem but the apple ecosystem Mm-hmm. Um, and if so people like, get in that bigger orbit, maybe it'll slowly suck them in <laughs> to the to the Mac one specifically. Um, yeah, because they all run the same chip essentially. Like obviously the power levels are different, but that's why right. M1 Max can run iPhone apps. Um, so maybe like you have some games like well, Aspire, they had um, the Kotor games and stuff like that on iPhone. Right. I, I haven't tried that on M1, but I would assume that just runs flawlessly on an M1 Mac. Stuff like that. Uh, I think the only version you can get on macOS is the one that's also Intel native anyway. But I don't know. Do, do they let you sideload the App Store one? I don't know if they do. Uh, at least uh, earlier versions of macOS, you could uh, install any uh, iPhone pa- uh, app package, but you can't do that anymore. So, I don't know. Hmm. But um, I, I would think it would be a better experience to run the version of Codor that's built for macOS anyway, even if it's through Rosetta. Uh, mm-hmm. Not from a performance standpoint, but it's it's an old game anyway, so performance might not matter that much. Um, mm-hmm. But in terms of like resolution scaling and that sort of thing. I have a question, because I believe all three of you are more techie than I am, technical than I am. So we have Rosetta 2, which is clearly a big jump over, well, Rosetta 1, I remember using way back in the day. It wasn't that great. So Rosetta 2 is quite impressive, you know, um, do you feel like there will be any more work at all put into Rosetta or like a future somehow Rosetta three, or is it just kind of like Rosetta two and there's just going to be an eventual transition? Like eventually there'll basically be no Intel will practically be extinct and it's all just M one or at Silicon, whatever version, you know, going on or, or all, I guess the thing is all apps would eventually have to be, have a binary available for Silicon or whatever. Yeah, no, I definitely think that's the route we're going to go down. But eventually it'll go, just be native and Rosetta will be taken out of the operating system. Right. Um, a Rosetta 3 would have to be if we're going to MIPS or something instead, like another <laughs> processor architecture. So, I don't know. yeah, I think Rosetta is going to maybe get minor tweaks here and there, but it's not going to wildly change um, in terms of performance characteristics or anything. And then it's just going to fade out eventually. Right. Yeah, was the goal from Apple's perspective is to make th- developers want to make native apps rather than just make an x86 binary and have Rosetta do the work, right? True. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It is quite a worry that um, basically, if uh, if we look at our in uh, if we look at our native game library currently as it stands, it's it's tiny, and uh, most of it is Rosetta two. And uh, the idea that Rosetta 2 is going to be ripped out of the, the heart of the Apple Silicon Max is going to drastically reduce the number of games available. So, um, you know, you'll only have a handful left after they do that. So um, I, w- I wonder, is it actually going to happen? 
Or is it just, uh, is it just going to be, you know, is it going to definitely happen? <laughs> That's my thought. What do you think, Sam? I'm trying to look up how long Rosetta 1 stuck around That's for. That's exactly what I was about to ask, <laughs> if somebody knew. Um, uh, wasn't it one of the Snow Leopard updates that pulled it out? Did Snow Leopard have it, or did it get I, th- I think the first versions of Snow Leopard had it. But well, there was Leopard sure. 10.5, and then Snow Leopard 10.6. Mm-hmm. Uh, so can't, at some point, things went up to ten point six point eight, and then yeah, I so feel like it went away at ten point six point three. Tiger ten point four was the first OS released with two thousand six. It was introduced. Rosetta was not installed by default in Snow Leopard, but it was available. Right, and then ten point seven Lion, it was not supported in any way, not even as like an additional install post os install so okay. that's uh three os versions but three years. yeah uh, uh lion was released 2011 mid 2011 so it was okay, so yeah, four or five bad. years right yeah so that's a fair yeah they weren't on a, a yearly cadence back then right, right. yeah so, uh, funny to think about that <laughs> <laughs> a decent amount of time and hopefully by that point we'll have a lot more native support right but, um, i remember it, i yeah. fondly remember using rosetta back in the day <laughs> it wasn't great but it uh it let me let me do my stuff so get the job the word the OS screen that you would get yeah <laughs> yeah so f- basically let's assume presume five years of uh rosetta 2 support that does sound pretty good um there's always going to be straggler software on you know kind of anywhere, particularly on the Mac, I think. Um, and it just, you know, just like lots of stuff, didn't get updated to 64-bit because devs just don't have the time or resources, don't care or whatever. Um, so, you know, eventually, yeah, they'll probably be someone's favorite game. They love to play single-player, multiplayer, I don't know what. And, you know, five years from now, it's, you know, won't be playable on a Mac. But theoretically, there'll be a lot more other games they could play, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that example of KOTOR, that I really doubt that anyone's going to actually port that to, um, you know, native, unless they unless they port the, uh, the the iPhone version or the iPad version. But I don't think anyone's going to spend any money doing that. So it's it's a real shame because there's you know thousands of games that are going to be lost. To yeah, it the is too bad because I would assume ninety nine percent of the work is done because it's on iOS. It's mm. probably just a little bit, bit of UI tweaks. Yeah, I, 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 you know what? What I expected from the uh, when I heard that the you know iPhone, iPad apps were going to be playable on the M1, I thought that well, this is it. This is this means that a developer, publisher, they're going to step in and say, I've got this really good iPad app, really good popular iPad game. Let's just make it compatible for everything. We can make it compatible for the Apple TV, make it compatible for the uh, the Mac desktop. And uh, we're going to see a flood of ports, like uh, proper native ports. But uh, that just hasn't materialized. I've only, there's only a handful of things which have been ported. Like, uh, for example, a few months ago, it was Gwent. Got a kind mm. of uh, Mac release, but it was just the iPhone ported over. There's mm. so many games that, you know, they, they click a, a couple of buttons and they'll basically have a full Mac port available. But uh, nobody seems to care enough to, to, to make that switch and uh, you know, all this work is done. The hard part is done. It's just you know, making it scale to the correct aspect ratio, add a bit of keyboard, trackpad, mouse support, and you're done. But uh, it hasn't materialized. 
That's true, but I think an important factor is also the support aspect of it, because as soon as you support another platform, you need to have support staff available who can answer queries about that platform. So if someone wants to play the game on a Mac, they might consult the support department, say, this doesn't load, why doesn't it load? And now they have to have support staff who also know how to deal with Mac issues, not just iPhone, iPad issues. Um, I think so that's, I, I think that's actually that's going to be a, yeah. a, a big miles uh, a big blocker for um, a lot of intermediate companies at least. Hmm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really key point. Um, I had a funny, not a funny story. Not really. It's just a story. <laughs> uh, I think it was <laughs> Settlers Seven, if I recall, and that was like 2010, 2011, something. I don't know. I believe I was reviewing it for Inside Mac Games. I was, so I had a key. I believe it was an Ubisoft title. And I had some really weird issues. I don't remember what it was on my iMac. It was, I don't know if it was like freezing or crashing. And I, you know, I contacted support and they had no idea what I was talking about. They had no idea what a Mac was. Basically, they just gave me some like, you know, PC link instead. It's like, th- this doesn't help me, you know? Um, and that was a big company even like Ubisoft. Yeah. Of course, you know, back then they were supporting Mac a bit more, some Assassin's Creed and this and that and whatever. But um, that was a distinct memory in my head what Casper was just saying, like, yeah, the support or you, or you look at Feral or Aspire's website and it's just filled with FAQs and how to, you know, uh, what if I run into this problem or go here for support? And I mean, those are like more specialist porting houses, but I think the point remains, um, unless you can expect your game to basically run flawlessly, which it seems most stuff I like, I, I'm not deep in Apple Arcade, but as far as I know, like everything, like they're well tested, pretty much bug free. As far as I know, they just work pretty much anywhere they're supposed to work. And there's probably a whole, not like a ton of support going on. That's my impression. I don't know how accurate as that well is. As well as any software can work. <laughs> right, right. Well, of course, no such thing as 100% flawless. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've I've had really good luck in my computers in terms of um, most like mostly cooperating. And uh, I used to be, be do more gaming community stuff, more Mac gaming community stuff. Um, I... I, we talked a bit about that on the last show. And so getting people into lots of different Mac games and I would be running it just fine on my iMac. Someone had a different iMac and they're like, it won't run, won't open, crashes, freezes, stutters. And I'm just like, well, it works on mine. <laughs> I don't know why it won't work on yours. You know, um, I mean, of course, assuming they meet the minimum requirements or the recommended requirements or whatever. Um, well, so I mean, it is that, tricky. That whole requirements thing, you know, when you had, uh, when you had Macs of the past, you had... Intel Macs were different um, discrete graphic card manufacturers, and you had a whole, like, really big range. Now we only have two types, well, two and a half types of Macs. We've got the M1, you can have either 8 gigabytes of RAM or 16 gigabytes of RAM, or 7 GPU cores or 8 GPU cores. They're all basically identical, right? So in theory, the support should be a lot easier because there's not really a difference between the the iMac and the Mac Mini. Uh, So hopefully that'll make support easier. Give more incentive. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, it's to me, it reminds me of a console, honestly. It's like, mm-hmm. it's just kind of this fixed hardware, more or, more or less fixed hardware. And there's a very minor, oh, I don't know if you hear some sirens in the background. It's not mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> They're coming for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's my shirt. It's a, a cat with a gun on it. Um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the, the the hardware. Yeah, it's not like you have a completely different version of a graphics card or back when Macs actually had like NVIDIA GPUs or even the ones that had both in them, the discrete and the the dedicated ones or whatever. Um, so I do find that very interesting. And we did talk about like the bottom line hardware on another episode. 
you know, mm-hmm. bringing up uh, kind of the ease of use for developers and porters. So I think that's also a key aspect what Andy just mentioned. Um, so the unified hardware aspect, in a sense, um, even moving forward, assuming it won't change, it'll it'll just be more of the same stuff, just better, mm-hmm. you know, M2, yeah. M1X, whatever it is. One big thing I've thought of in a rebuttal to my own point earlier, but one big unified system is publishers love money obviously um (laughs) and selling one version of your game that works on two maybe three platforms if you consider ipad and ios um different they don't they make less money doing that they would love to sell you a mac version and an iphone version or maybe even an ipad version so hopefully there's universal games but they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have to make a universal binary. They could sell different ones. Well, that's different what I mean. Yeah. They'll probably do that, and that might hit the Just use the same code base, though. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah, it's up. They The developers have to decide whether the iOS or whatever, um, the M1 version is playable on a desktop of some kind or laptop of some kind. Um, it's not just automatic. They have to sign, uh, opt in, as far as I understand. Well, they um, could have a universal, like, works on everything, or they could have standalone, or they could just have iPhone if they don't feel like dealing with the Mac. Right. Or any, any combination thereof. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Um, I don't currently have an iPad, though I did. Um, just a regular one. I didn't have an iPad Pro or anything. Um, though I can see why they're super popular tablets. They're great. But, like, certain games that I rather like, like XCOM or XCOM 2 or Darkest Dungeon or, I don't know, I think they even had some of the Telltale games back when they were not compatible. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, and they, again, same thing. They had their, stand, you know, the Mac version, which is otherwise Steam Play, which is cool. And then there's the iPad version. You got to go and spend 10 or 20 bucks to buy it again. It's like, well, I don't want to buy it again. I already bought the game. Oh, mm-hmm. not in every, sometimes it was a review code or whatever, but, um, <laughs> you know, I'm more uh, like, I want cross-play and they're adding that more now, like cross saves. I think we talked about that on Hades and maybe some other games previously from you guys. Um, kind of works everywhere. And this is a little bit of a pivot. Um, you know, no company's perfect, but I really like Epic's push for cross play in the industry. Uh, I don't really see anyone else doing it in, in a big sort of public way like they are. Um, and as far as I know, they've even released tools and infrastructure backend tools like voice and multiplayer tools or something people can just use in their games, as far as I know, and supports crossplay, mm-hmm. some kind of tool set. Um, and uh, we were talking about the future of gaming. And I wonder, yeah, well, this is the problem, right? Like, I I would like this future where, like, every all games just kind of work everywhere more within reason. You know, there's obviously going to be some, like, mobile experiences or desktop experiences or VR experiences or something. But, like, what Sam was just saying, they love money, right? And they love to sell you different versions. So... There's probably a lot of barriers to that ever even happening. Um, but I see someone like Epic really wanting, if not cross-support, at least cross-play everywhere. Um, but it'd be interesting if there's like this buy once, play, play on console, play on Mac, play on PC, play on phone, whatever. That would that would be interesting. Your example of Epic is uh, quite ironic, given that then the Fortnite is on a not on a Mac. Yes, it is ironic. It's ironic now, um, <laughs> due to recent law. What, I I thought that lawsuit was concluded, but not like um, the results publicly disclosed, or it's supposed to be this month or something. Um, I don't. I don't know. It's well, soon. Well, it's soon. It's supposed to be soon. Well, Fortnite's not on not on any Apple platform currently. Yes, uh, currently yeah. not. Um, this is true. 
but the, the epic store uh, yeah go ahead i was gonna say the first like week of that trial was some of the best apple news in <laughs> years when all PC. the court documents are public and it was not just apple but like um like sony looked horrible like they're it got revealed they were forcing developers to pay them extra money if they want to cross play on the ps4 and stuff like that yeah. And like all of Apple's like emails with Tim are getting leaked, and like after a week they shut down that um, <laughs> the public access it, to all those court docs. But it was great. I agree. Yeah. Um, no, it's true. Um, it's in an ep, you know, an Epic's push, basically, well, it comes. They just want more money. That's really all it comes down to. Um, you know, because they want their own version of an app store, which they can get a cut of. Basically, that's what they want. So, do I do I begrudge it to them? No. Do I think their argument's a bit silly? More or less. Um, because, Steam's done I mean, a good job of cross-platform, like like with PC and Linux, because yeah. they don't make you rebuy a game if if it comes on their new platform. Our yeah. new platform is in desktop OS platforms. Right, right. Um, yeah, Andy, you were saying earlier Valve stuff isn't supported. I believe the only stuff that is is Dota 2 and CS:GO. Everything else is kaput as far as um, Mac y- goes. Yes, that's that's right. Dota 2 um, and uh, CS:GO. Which I don't think I feel like they um, they run source too, don't they? So that's that's why they're yep. they're still supported. Yeah. Yes. So um, yeah, it's quite interesting. So um, I mean, sorry, I was, <laughs> I was going to say something. I forgot what I was going to say. No, that's I have right. a question for you, Andy. Um, sure. Fidelity Effects. I know that's AMD's sort of DLSS competitor. I've heard people using it on Macs with Intel graphics because it's like cross platform mm-hmm. um, to help out with Dota 2 and, and uh, CSGO on the Mac platform. Does that work for on the M1? Do you know? Uh, to, to be honest, I have not explored this topic uh, much yet. So it's actually news to me if someone's got it to work on uh, Dota 2 on Mac OS. So uh, but, that's something I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I heard guys talking about it and that made so much more sense to me because if you have like a, I don't know, 6800 XT or some high-end card, you probably don't care that much about Fidelity Effects, but if you have an Intel HD 630 running Dota 2, that extra 10 frames might be the difference between 25 and 35 FPS. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it works on Intel, NVIDIA, and AMD, and works on every OS, I think, too. It's mm. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. yeah. It I should run in a regular fragment shader. So as long as everything else would be running fine, uh, there isn't necessarily any reason it wouldn't be able to run. I think uh, I'm I'm not that deep into the tech of um, their new technology there, so I can't say for sure. But I don't think that there'd be any reason for it not to work. I'm trying to look it up here. I I did see a little chatter about that. Um from a few people I know, and I peeked at it. I think I even, I don't know, I went and enabled something in Dota 2. I didn't notice a difference, but I, I have a high-end machine, and Dota 2 already runs at, like, ridiculous levels for me. So um, I do remember long ago trying to run it on a MacBook Air, and it was it was, it was was unplayable. It was it was just stuttered and, and lagged, didn't, like, practically over-melted the machine. That was, like, a 2013 MacBook Air, I think, a low-end one. Um, so it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I just looked here. There's some video from two weeks ago. Some random guy. Andre Legendaire, 70 subscribers. There's a shout out. Um, it's an option on his M1 MacBook Air. You can just oh, check I'll the definitely, box and Dota 2. 
I'll definitely check that out. That's something that uh, I'll definitely have a look at. <laughs> it will only obviously on games that have implemented it, but yeah, pretty neat. Yeah. So, um, sorry. Coming back to the topic of crossplay. So, um, so, yeah. So it is interesting that Valve, uh, well, basically Steam has so many uh, kind of crossplay, you know, games. I wonder how many Mac gamers, you know, they buy a Mac for the first time. They maybe they had some PC games in the past. And the entire library is just, uh, the entire macOS library consists of PC games, which happen to have a macOS port. And then, uh, how do they, how do these porters get, you know, these uh, aspires and ferals? How do they get compensated for it? Because these, um, these gamers who play on the Mac after the fact, right? They, um, they, you know, they, they're not really generating additional revenue for for the publisher or the developer. I have an answer for that because sure. they've told me before um, when I used to work with them. Uh, the answer is uh, most of the time they don't um, because when you buy it, uh, you have to install and play it on your Mac within 30 days or they don't get any money. Hmm. Um, so unless you just happen to buy it a week before and suddenly you got a Mac or whatever, um, but yeah, that's that. So if you, you know, if it's an older game or, you know, you don't have, you know, whatever it is, um, then the Mac guys are out of luck and they get, they get nada. Um, but there's two, you know, there's different ways the Mac guys like the Ferals and Aspires do their business. They either A, get contracted to board something, in which case they're getting paid, or B, they're paying to license and port it. And of course, hoping mm-hmm. to sell copies and then get the money back. So see, there's, yeah. there's basically three different things going on there. Them getting paid, contracted, them paying for licensing. Licensing sometimes expires, which is why we see, if you remember a game like Mafia 2, license expired like three years later or something, and suddenly, poof, it was just mm-hmm. gone. It's like the game's still there, but their license to sell it ran out, which is mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, not really, but it is in a way. Um, and yeah, or that. Yeah, they have to be installed. You know, it has its way of detecting whatever you're on. And um, then the money, whatever that cut is, 70%, I guess, zips over. I do feel bad about for these companies sometimes, like Fairless Wire, whoever. Um, they release their Mac version. And then, like, the day they release it, there's some enormous sale on the game for, like, 50 to 75% off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's supposed to kind of be the Mac launch, 50 $60 game, whatever. Some of them are cheaper, of course. Um, and, yeah, and then, you know people are buying it for 10 bucks or something that's that's got to be painful like imagine a pc launch 50 75 percent off it's like nobody nobody does that you know i don't know you do a third-party site greaming gaming or something or whatever you can get like 10 to 20 percent off max usually through some pre-order program or something but it's like yeah it's kind of crazy but that's well, that's it, the that's the it depends how long the mac port has taken to produce right if it's uh if it's two years later and then you get a mac port or then maybe deserves a sale to get it going. Yes, yes. No, uh, to pivot to that idea a little bit, um, you know, it depends on what kind of gamer you are, and we had an episode about that. But, um, you know, like, do you always have to be playing the latest and greatest games, whether it's on Mac or PC or whatever, uh, console or what have you, exclusives, so on, God of War and so on and so forth? Um, Or are you happy to get stuff later? Because when you get things later, in many cases... They tend to be like game of the year style editions where all the DLC is bundled or expansions are bundled or there's a bunch of patches and bug fixes. Um, So I've rather enjoyed that in some cases. I didn't mind it coming later to the Mac, 
months, even years later, because um, you get this nice fancy bundle all in one. And I'm a bit of a completionist. If I like a game, I want to have all the stuff for it. So it's like, oh, here's just a nice great bundle with everything all in one. And sometimes on a sale, even better, you know. Um, so that's an interesting bonus, which hasn't been so true lately. But I mean, I'm referring more to like the previous eight or 10 years, not necessarily the last year or two. Yeah, I've liked that. Yeah, I mean, I, I see your point, but it's like a bonus where you get it involuntarily, right? If you could just get the game same day release from Mac and Windows, you could hold on until that Game of the Year edition came out anyway, right? So it's true. Really, the the best version, the best deal for us would be to get the Mac version on, on day one. No, for sure, for sure. Aspire used to be really good about that. Like Borderlands 2, I think, came out, what, two weeks after the PC version or something? Pretty yeah. pretty badass. Um, and all, I think all the sieves were maybe same-day launch, within a week or a few days or something. Um, Aspire hasn't done anything lately. I hope they are. I believe that they're in the, they seem to be making games now. Hmm. Hopefully, they'll actually make it on Mac. I think it would be uh, like sacrilegious or whatever the word is if they released a new game and it was PC only. It'd be like... How could you? Oh, you've stabbed us. Um, like Bungie back in the day. Yeah. Yes. You know, so they've been publishing all kinds of things, PC stuff, Switch stuff, Android stuff, whatever. Um, yeah, if they make a game and as like a former Mac studio, don't make any Mac support for it. That's just, yeah, traitors. Um, I, yeah. I'm not condemning them because I don't know. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But they are making games. If you look at the job openings, it's level designer and AI, blah, blah, and all that stuff. Well, it's cool that they're making it in charge of their own destiny. Because um, if you're constantly working, depending on you know others, then uh, you 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 just at their mercy, right? Yeah, no, that is interesting, and it's something I don't know if I've asked because um, I've interviewed uh, various members of Feral and Aspire before. Only once on the old show was Edwin Smith. Otherwise, just a bunch of uh, you know text or email interviews or whatever they could post. I don't think it never occurred to me to ask them, like, you're in game development, but you're not a game developer. Like, does that bother you? Are you, like, really happy with your job? Did it port games? Would you rather be on that creative side where you're actually involved in making them? Like, that's an interesting question, um, you know, that I don't know the answer to, to these to these things. Uh, I would assume for those, like, because there's porting houses on the console side and PC side, too. I think they just attract a certain type of engineer or, or programmer or developer like people know that they're not going to be designing the next i don't know god of war or something at feral um but they're probably attract more technical focused programmers that want to really sense. optimize and 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 like just let's get this running as efficiently as possible um on this mac platform because there's um blue point i think sony just bought them and all they were doing is porting PS3 games to PS4 or 5. Uh, recently, the big one was Demon Souls, which is a big PS5 launch title. That was a PS3 game that Bluepoint ported. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh-huh. But I think also, even if the same developers got jobs in um, studios that make new titles, their work wouldn't necessarily be more creative, right? Because they'd just have a role where they would focus on the technical aspects anyway, right? Um, if you're a programmer, you might in some cases have some tech or some say in the creative aspects as well, but you're still not going to be the, the artist or something, right? Cause that's not your, that's not the part of the project you're managing. Right. That makes like sense. John Carmack. Of, uh, <laughs> John Carmack, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant programmer. 
Absolutely. probably the best designer but really good programmer that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah and you can you can see the pride in which feral takes see, by see i mean like when you when you read their uh, announcements or tweets or or whatever um they they definitely pride themselves on not optimi- optimization um and they have done some pretty amazing stuff so that makes sense that it attracts a certain kind of talent like you said yeah i mm-hmm. can see that I also love about Feral that once I contacted their support about uh, a glitch in Thief, where um, the the graphics were looking messed up on my old iMac. So I wrote support and it took some time, but eventually I got a super detailed response back from like lead programmer of Thief or something like that. I was like, here's the reason why it was bugging out and we fixed it and like I got the technical details because I wrote in a technical language and there, it was a programmer who responded to me. I, I love that kind of engineer engagement. That's cool. Very nice. Yeah, cool stuff. Uh, in your opinion, Andy, because I don't think you necessarily chimed in, um, what's your either... Uh, what what do you think the future of Mac gaming is? Whether theoretically or even the future you'd like to see, whatever it is, whatever angle you'd like to take, um, I'd just like to hear your your comments on that. So the way the way that I see it now is that um, Apple are are focused on only really one aspect of game content, which is Apple Arcade, which we already discussed, and this is a kind of like casual stroke double A kind of style budget gaming. That's obviously has to fit a lowest common denominator, which is basically the smartphone, and it has to be compatible with everything else in the Apple ecosystem. But uh, and and so they're not really um, there to support kind of what we'd call AAA PC gaming, and um, and what I think is that what uh, there's no there's going to be no like direct funding or support but what they've accidentally done is created a really good arm chip which um happens to run some triple a games really well so there's um you know several that do quite well for example metro exodus Baldur's Gate 3 um these games they they run fantastically on the on the m1 chip and um if apple continue to iterate and create better chips in the future then there's going to be a smallish community of um people who want to play gta 5 on their m2 mac or m3 mac in the future and that's going to continue working if people are trying hard enough and diligent enough to get that to work and um but in terms of official support i don't think much is going to happen um i you know it's not it's not it's not apple's philosophy to bring a gta gta style game to the mac or to the smartphone they they own a kind of uh, they're just interested in amplifying their ecosystem as much as possible, making as much money from other people as possible. Mm. And um, we're, we're kind of stuck in this idea that the the M1, the future of Macs, can can game. It's just a case of uh, publishers putting things out there on Steam or distributing it DRM-free, and they kind of have to take a chance, really, because they've got to um, publish things through storefronts or through their own websites or through the Mac App Store. And, uh, the, you know, the, the market for it is relatively small, but uh, it's, it's a kind of enthusiast market, I'd say, which, uh, is, which enjoys tinkering and getting things to work. And uh, I don't really see much... I mean, what I'd like to see is more, is more developers 
publishing their mobile iPad games and uh, you know thinking that yeah we're going to reach these uh, millions and millions of people with all these Apple devices and you know one of the ways to play it will be on a Mac. Um, I'd love to see more of that. I mean, one game that I that I cover quite a lot. This is like an extremely popular free to play game called Genshin Impact, and um, you know that has a Mac port. It has a has an iOS um, port, iPhone port, iPad port, and uh, people are constantly trying to figure out how to get that to work on the M1 Mac. There's uh, loads and loads of different workarounds that you can get right. to make it, to make it work. Um, but uh, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast. The developers just not haven't taken the time to figure it out yet, or to turn that turn that uh, switch on, which will give it a full Mac port. Um, and uh, I think that's a real shame because the the chips are capable of it. They're very powerful. They've got great battery life, and it's just down to. Uh, I think what it's ultimately down to is like relatively small audience numbers. You know, the uh, the the market for Apple. For Mac gaming, anyway. I mean, Apple gaming itself is huge, but Mac gaming is out of the the big pie of Apple gaming is is tiny, right? right. And I think that's I think that's a real shame because there's so much potential. Um, there's, um, like we said earlier, there's one hardware to target, one piece of hardware to target, one chip, right? So the hard work is done. It's just a case of um, developers, publishers getting on board. And uh, putting their software, porting their software, which is already on uh, iPhone, iPad anyway, and then putting it on the Mac too. So um, what I'd like to see is more of that. And uh, and I think if we, if there's, there could be like a snowball effect where the more developers do it, then the more other publishers will see that there's this kind of um, this piece of pie which is is unclaimed, right? But, uh, yeah, yeah. Claim, I, I claim the pie, stuff. guys. Come on. <laughs> There's it's a lot of people here. Delicious. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of gamers who would be um, who'd be very happy with to see proper ports of uh, of AAA games. And, yeah, uh, yeah. One like it's more of an interesting anecdote than anything, but I find it interesting is so like Xbox Game Pass. Uh, that's 2017. That came out very much like a new what would you say way to not play games but um own own games in quotation marks um apple was arcade came out in 2019 i believe so they they are pretty early on that new model of gaming that seems to be here to stay um game pass is super awesome i have an xbox and it it's just great, like you. It's like Netflix, like it, it's no, it's a no-brainer. Or like Apple Music, all, all you can eat music or, or Spotify stuff like that. So it seems like the no-brainer. I'm guessing in the next five, ten years, people will um, migrate much more heavily to that. Same as TV and same as music. Um, so Apple was early on that. So hopefully that means something. I don't, I don't know if it does, but I'm hoping it does. Um, and then what I also find interesting is Google's Stadia. They had not a ton of games, but they had quite a few like big games, like Destiny Two, Cyberpunk, uh, Doom Eternal. I'm just looking through a list right now, and they pretty much got all those. I don't think because developers wanted to be on Stadia. Like Stadia wasn't totally unproven platform. I don't think 
devs were clamoring to get on Stadia. <laughs> um, Google just paid money, I would I would assume, um, and got a lot of games. I don't know how much they paid, probably a lot, but Apple could very easily do something similar to that, where they're just going to splash some other three hundred billion or whatever they have around, and they could easily be getting Apple Arcade like AAA games if they want to. Who knows if they want right. to? Probably not. Yeah. I'm just sort of dreaming right now, but right. Uh, I so I, I have just, yeah. Go ahead, Casper. Uh, I was just going to say that um, Sam brings up something interesting as well because the the model of game acquisition with Game Pass and similar um, that takes me back to what you said earlier about um, a deterrent for publishers to make cross-platform play uh, available for free if you buy it once you can play it anywhere because if you have a model like game pass well they've made their money you know they don't need to sell you the copy twice because it's sort of a subscription thing anyway um so that's incentivizes that kind of cross-platform game Hmm. availability thing way more that is a very interesting point um and we can see this even outside of gaming and just regular software there's a big switch to subscription models over just selling it to you once um, and you see that everywhere, whether it's even crossover or, uh, I don't know, I use a clean, my Mac X or whatever app and, uh, whatever Adobe software, all the, everyone's like switching to subscription models because, well, purportedly it makes people, you know, the companies more money. So that is an interesting angle, you know, will, will there be, which, which way will it go or which way will what company say Apple in this case go? Um, Apple Arcade's seemingly here to stay. They just, I think hit over 200 games just the other week or two. Um, so, so what I'm, what I, what my thought was is related to this conversation, this idea of like more, basically more games on the Mac is because they put the M1 chip in an iPad. So, and then suddenly that iPad can run, um, Divinity Original Sin 2, or I don't know what other like big game was maybe there. Um, so if they keep putting the newer silicon chips in iPads or iPad Pros or whatever it is. And then there's this, there's actually a much wider selection of games available on an iPad, but they're just not these AAA games we're used to playing with few exceptions, like Divinity Original Sin. I consider it a AAA game. Maybe it's a double A game to some people, but it's an enormous game that took years to produce and everything by a big mm-hmm. studio, Larian. Um, so to me, that's interesting. Will, will there be this thing where they, they, because the iPad's such a big market, it is, as far as I understand, the biggest tablet market share, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, if more and more people keep, I don't know, but what percentage is iPad Pro? Probably less because they're very expensive. But if they keep, like, if that bottom line keeps being like a new uh, a silicon chip and it's all the same or very similar to the desktops, you know, could they do something with that? But then it would have to be, uh, I mean, it's already true. These games aren't Apple Arcade games. But as far as I know, they have like they have minimum requirements of an iPad, which is funny. But like to play this game, I think they need like an iPad Pro to say play Divinity Original Sin Two. I think it needs an iPad Pro. I could be wrong because I'm not a iPad gamer. Um, yes, it so does, will yeah. there be more? Yeah. So will there be more? I don't know. You know, will they make uh, I don't know whatever uh, a Witcher Three or Doom Eternal for an iPad Pro? I don't know. You know, but could they probably? Um, so to me, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, that sort of bottom line idea, bottom line ecosystem idea is what I was kind of going for. Yeah, I think it, it just seems like Larian is the exception here. It's just that the, this is the one company 
devoted to this idea of iPad and Mac desktop, you know, gaming. And uh, there's no other company following suit. It used to be Blizzard. Um, he used to make Mac ports for everything, but to drop the ball on Overwatch and Diablo 2 resurrected. Um, no one else is following suit. But, you know, it would be very exciting to see something like, I don't know, World of Warcraft running on an iPad because that that could technically work quite easily because they've got the native M1 port. It's just uh haven't bothered to. Hmm. No, it's true. Uh, I also think the other European studio I want to shout out is, well, I think they're maybe the Russian uh, 4A Games who does the Metro series. I forget their exact origin. Sorry, um, but they've uh, they've ported all their games to Mac. It took it took a while, but you know the Metro series has all been on Mac. It, you know, yeah, the, the, the Metro Exodus is still uh, an Intel an Intel application, so it runs through Rosetta two. So um, it would require a lot more work to get that to to work correctly on like an uh, uh, another like a like an iPhone, for example. Obviously, we want to play on an iPhone. But uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It could it could be ported to the M1 iPad Pro quite easily. If yeah, it wanted uh, to. yeah. The last thought I had on this is, and this is only based off those comments Apple made we talked about in a previous show about how they said, oh, we have some engineers who are gamers and we kind of want to do something or try and compete with some high-end PC cards. It made some, I'm paraphrasing. They made some, said something like that. So I'm thinking uh, probably not this year, but maybe, but, or let's say sometime in 2022, Will they have a keynote where they kind of make a splash? Like, hey, here's our M2 or M3 chip, our 32 or 64 core machine. Here's what it can do. Will they demo stuff like the way they used to at some of these Macworld events or WWC events or whatever event it was? Um, You know, like Steve Jobs famously demoing Halo, you know, way back in the day. Like, will, will Apple you know, try and show off their new hardware in a gaming capacity, in it like a triple A gaming capacity, not here's the latest Apple arcade game. It's like, yeah, we, the iPhone can run that. We don't care. What can this like 32 core machine do, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if they, you know, like they make a public effort in a big way, um, cause those events get a lot of attention and their hardware releases get a lot of attention in general, you know, in the, in the tech community in general. Um, so I feel like that, that would basically help advertise kind of in kind of a thing will that incentivize anything i would hope it would but will they do it at all in the first place i don't know i'm just i'm just hoping they do basically there's been some on-off rumors um coming up every now and then about a a box similar to an apple tv but sort of the replacement to the pippin that's an old reference an apple gaming console essentially um with an apple silicon chip as a Apple TV-like box that ships with a game controller instead of the classic Apple TV remote. Um, essentially just an MFI uh, gamepad. Uh, MFI made for iPhone. Um, that's the little label they use for gamepads that Apple have said, hey, that's for iPhone. <laughs> um, so if they were to... I, I don't actually think they're going to do that, but there have been rumors for it. But if they're going to do a device like that, I think that the, the primary way to show it off at the event would be content for it rather than just showing off the hardware itself because for something like that, content is king, right? For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, basically, I have to wait and see, but um, all the rumors or pundits say the M1X or M2 should be coming this fall, roughly, supposedly, unless there's some delay. Um, so that should be exciting for all of us and for Andy, who can 
talk all about it on his wiki and his YouTube channel, <laughs> and uh, we can talk about it on the show. Um, I'm very hyped for the next. I'm actually waiting to buy um, a laptop. I sold my other one to my brother. It's a mm. random side story, but um, I vaguely need one right now for some occasional weekend travel, but I don't want to buy one. I want to wait, and I don't want to buy one, then wait, sell and buy another, you know. So I'm just waiting until the new ones come out. Um, pretty, pretty interested to see what they can do. Um, considering the M1 has far exceeded my expectations and still continues to surprise me, as I said. Um, yeah, I'm really hoping a uh, presumable 16 core um, or at least 12 core. If it's 12 core, I'll be disappointed. I hope it's 16. Like a double, <laughs> a, presumably, but will it be double the performance? I don't know. But if it is, that's like, that's pretty hefty. You know, that'll be interesting. The scaling is almost never entirely linear for that sort of thing. But with yeah. GPUs, it's very close to linear. Hmm. Right, right. That makes sense. Yep. So we'll have to see. Um, whatever the future of Mac gaming is, uh, it'll be around in one form or the other, or many forms, as it currently seems to exist. <laughs> native, non-native, uh, emulated, non-emulated, uh, here and there, hither and yon. Um, but the games go on, and how supported it'll be remains to be seen from Apple or other companies. And our future of Ferals and Aspires is a little a little hazy um, as well. But um, it's all very interesting, and uh, there'll always be something interesting or exciting to talk about uh, in the Mac gaming space, and that's why we're here. So, um, any other anything um, else you want to discuss, Andy, or anything comes to mind? Mm. Not the moment, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's there's always like I feel like um, for for me, what I'm excited about is just the raw power of that chip because that will whatever comes next uh, how will represent the baseline of an entire generation of um, mac desktop computers that millions of people will use and uh, each each additional piece of power is going to represent some way to brute force some game to work better so whether it's a, a native game or a non-native game i mean especially with non-native games especially running things through virtual machine where the uh, the resources are very constrained so you know, if you run Windows through Parallels, you're only using half the half the cores, half the RAM, right? But if we've got right. you know triple the amount of cores to work with, then you'll it suddenly it opens up the possibilities of um, of that gaming space quite a lot. So that's why I'm excited <laughs> about the next generation. Nice. Some, something on my mind is um, when you start out with a, a game that doesn't run natively on the platform. Um, doesn't have a native macOS version at all. Um, maybe it has a Rosetta one that doesn't actually launch or something. What kind of steps? What's the process for you for trying to tinker with it and see if you can make it work? Where do you sort of start and, and proceed from there on? Well, I mean, um, I mean to be honest, right? I'm personally my my technical skill level is I would say relatively low compared to the um, the community members, for example, in my. In, in PC Gaming Wiki, who uh, we have programmers, we have engineers, we have people who know, who understand like graphics rendering pipelines. Right? I don't really understand this. For me, it's all about um, quality of life issues right, with games. That's why I started the wiki in the first place. I wanted to find out, you know, where the save game goes, right? Because it's different in every game. And um, you know, for for me, it's just about linking up resources. So a Windows game has um, pockets of communities that exist kind of everywhere. 
So um, you have the WineHQ forum, you've got ProtonDB, you've got the whole Linux gaming community too. So um, these communities have these experts in them. They've posted up a forum post somewhere and uh, or they've shared some information on the Discord. And it's just a case of bringing that to the average user, right? So what I what I enjoy when I enjoy tinkering, I like to find kind of mining these uh, these communities and these resources, these experts, right? And then bringing them to people. So um, it's a case of like googling very hard and uh, <laughs> testing things out. Um, I, I I'm lucky to, because because um, I've run a large gaming website to have a gigantic uh, access to lots and lots of games. Um, for example, uh, I have a deal with Games Planet. They give they gave us hundreds of pounds of keys a month. And then they well, have a deal with GOG. They give us basically every game that they have. And uh, it, just, it just lets me test everything out. And uh, and, and it's interesting that all of these um, these forums and places, it's just, a, it's just the locus for all of these communities to come together. So all I'm, all I'm, the way I see it is I'm just linking up um, regular Mac users with um, kind of the research and testing that other people have done and putting it in a format that's, you know, fairly easy to for, for most people to digest. That's awesome. Hey, cheers. <laughs> Do you want to mention your um, YouTube channel and, and websites again, just for anybody listening? Yeah, so PC Gaming Wiki is the uh, the main website, pcgamingwiki.com. Um, is there anything you want to know about it? Uh, asking... No, I've used it. I, I love the site. But yeah, so it's a it. it's a popular website. Um, I think we're drawing in 1.5 million page views a month, so it's it's decent size. Very large community now. Apple Gaming Wiki is something I started relatively recently. It's doing, uh, let me think, about 70,000 page views a month. Something that's a lot smaller, but um, just starting out. And YouTube channel is doing quite well. So um, I've been, you know tinkering with that a lot and i think i've reached over eleven thousand subscribers now so it's been 11.6 i think 11.6 yeah and what's the name of your channel just for anybody my name my it's the name is andrew ty um or you can find it if you search the username andy tizer so uh i'm there sounds good lovely yeah there'll there'll be links in the um podcast descriptions to your Mm -hmm. your stuff as well but People also like Deer, so thank you, Sam, for thank you very asking much asking him to self promote him himself. Um, yeah, no, that was that was a lot of fun. I think we covered some very interesting things. Circled back a few times to a to the same thing in a different light, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was a lovely chat. Thank you very much for uh, having me. Thanks for yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, if you want to pop on in the future, just uh, send a ping or a tweet or whatever. Sure. Uh, maybe around you know a new hardware launch or something. Um, oh yeah, that sounds fun. Reconvene or or whatever you know something you know something juicy to sink our teeth into. Casper, Sam, anything? Any last words? Oh, that sounded ominous. <laughs> <laughs> We're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was great having you, Andy, and uh, yeah, great podcast. Thanks, guys. Yeah, uh, thank you, gents. Uh, good evening, and thanks for staying up late to Andy. Uh, yes, mm-hmm. Andy and Casper, appreciate it, and um, we will see everyone next time. Cheers. Good night. Good night. Bye bye. Bye. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, macgamecast.com, or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. 
Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.